0: Everybody. I'm Richard Olberger, PhD clinical psychologist on behalf of Richard Listens, and I am here with my co-host Lorinda Phillips from Retired From Sports, and we will be hosting part two of our Making the Jump panel. Today we're talking dollars and cents, and thank you again for all of us and all my listeners. Lorinda Why don't you tell us who our two special guests are for today?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Richard. And hello, everybody. The first gentleman that will be here on our panel, his name is Mark Charles Phelps. He's a CPA and has been working in public accounting since March 1983, so a few years. The firm was established in 2007, is located in El Segundo, California, and it is a full service boutique firm that offers tax consulting and a test engagements. We specialize in small businesses. We do not work on publicly traded companies. Our mission is to offer high quality accounting services at a fair price. We care greatly about our clients and try hard to provide the extra personalized service that separates us from larger firms. Mark has been married 29 years and has three college kids. His oldest son is attending law school. His younger son is studying plumbing and his daughter is a sophomore taking honors undergraduate courses. Mark loves the game of baseball. He has coached his children and other boys aged 10 to 17 for many, many years. That's Mark, our first guest
0: incredible and
1: glenn again another financial guy filled with finances today in this dollars and cents segment glenn crawford is a successful wealth management advisor with signature resources capital management a boutique independent advisory firm in southern california whose sole mission is to give people better financial outcome using a holistic approach to financial and retirement planning for people who want to plan to maximize turning their assets into income in retirement while effectively minimizing taxes during their accumulation years. That sounds good, huh, Richard?
0: That sounds great. He is
1: also a fiduciary. Prior to entering the world of financial services, Lynn successfully built two companies in the information technology space, one of which achieved sales of $65 million with 20 offices nationwide and 500 employees.
0: And he's also a son of an Army colonel, and he also played wide receiver for the 1975 12-0 Arizona State University football team under legendary Frank Cush. Without further ado, let's let our guests in. Thank you, excited to be here with you, Lorinda. Well, thank you for being a part of uh, Making the Jump, this panel for athletes in transition or anyone part of this one thing this uh, quarantine has taught us, that transitions are a part of life. And for athletes in particular, they need resources such as you gentlemen, to be there, to lean on, to look how to make success in their career after their career.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm pleased to be here with all of you, Lorinda, for inviting me, and and Mark, and yourself. And I'm not mad at you guys for all the pretty hair you still have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) Lorinda, where you want to jump (laughs) us off? Okay, go ahead. Down to dollars and cents, how to help Uh, athletes figure out how to manage their money. I wanted to
1: call it dollars and cents, S-E-N-S-E. Because sometimes we don't have a lot of sense when it comes to dollars. And you guys are pro at what you do. And that's why I was so excited to have both of you on. I wanted to just have it start out kind of generally. So what is it about what you do that you really love? Guys, I mean, you've been doing this a long time. So what is your passion about what you do?
3: Well, I've been doing public accounting for 37 years. And I started out a long, long time ago just running errands for a business management firm and work my way up. And I think the one thing that I love about this business that's kept me in public accounting is the variety. So I see people make money in all sorts of ways. And in my office, I say that we celebrate the wins and and we mourn the loss. And so I'm keeping score and, and talking to people about the way they make their money all the time. And I love, I just love the variety. That's the favorite part of my business.
1: Right. And sometimes I think uh, given the length of time both of you have been doing the work you've done, there is a part of passion that's got to be part of the longevity of what you've provided people. Why are you so passionate about what you're doing?
2: So I'm happy to field that question. I got to tell you, I don't have any problem going to bed at night because I put in a full day at night and I can look in the mirror and say I did a great day. And in the morning, I have no problem getting up because at my core, and I love the topic of the discussion today, which I believe to be sports, life, and the intersections, you know, in between, I'm 65 years young. I got more gray. Mark has some on his head. I'm working but, on it. Yeah, I've seen, you know, almost 65 winners now. But I was just thinking this morning uh, when I worked out, like, man, I still feel like I'm 21 years old and running four 4th yeah. and blazed by anybody, you know, in my yeah. mind, I do. But at my core, I'm essentially a coach. Or a big brother. I like impacting lives and I absolutely change lives in the work that I do because there's so much misinformation, misunderstanding, as relates to financial wellness and financial well being. So I just love the opportunity to have objective conversations with people who are, you know, a bit forward thinking and it's no different than I coach Little League for ten years in a row. It's almost no different than I would do my game plan, you know, so that the fourth quarter Or the second half, I would have enough resources to be in a position to win. It's just only with the financial pieces. There are so many similarities. So the answer to your question is I like affecting people's lives and know that I have the ability to do so.
1: Okay, thank you. And you had mentioned financial myths. Could you name a couple of those for us and even a story, if you have one, just to give us some idea of kind of educating us here about what, so we don't fall into the same myth.
2: Who knows what to, you know, believe or, you know, what is right when it comes to financial wellness. The first thing is taking a step and having an interest. So one of my themes is I like to tell people you have to pay attention to the bank of Lorinda or the (laughs) bank of, you know, Mark or the bank of Richard is that it requires some tender care and feeding. And you can't expect it to be something that you just open up one day, you know, when you look to retire and everything works out for you. It's like that Christmas gift that might be that present that you're not so thrilled with. So one of the myths is that it's complicated, that financial planning and, and wellness is complicated. It's not really that complicated. And I'm a strong believer that armed with the right information, people will make the best decision on their own behalf. That's uh, one of my myths is that it's complicated. You're inundated with news everywhere that you look. It's really not. Another myth that I believe is a lot of people make is that when we talk about athletes, every great athlete, no matter how great, if they're on a team, they have a coach. Muhammad Ali had Angelo Dundee and Mike Tyson had Cus you know, Demata. And Tom Brady had Bill Belichick, now he's in Tampa Bay. But they all realize that they should be coached up. Just like if I blow out my knee, I'm not going to go the dark, tells me that, you know, I have blowing out my ACL and I need it repaired. I'm not going to try and operate on it myself. I'm going to rely on his judgment. Now, I'm still the boss. I still make the decision but I go to him for information and guidance. And that's the same thing when it comes to your financial well-being. I would suggest that everyone have a coach, that they don't try to do it simply on their own.
1: Given taxes and everybody's interested in taxes and how to position themselves, what advice would you give a player either currently playing or who's retired? Is there some general advice you would give that player?
3: Well, if I was a young person and I was like, say, a a first-round draft pick, I probably would relocate from the state of California. That would be one of the first things that I would do. You would still pay some states money it just wouldn't be as much. But I would say this, we have to understand that when you receive a large paycheck, uh, whether you're a pro athlete, an actor, any of these type of businesses where or professions where you have an agent, you maybe have a manager, you have to realize that a million dollars is not really a million dollars. What it is, it's a million dollars minus 15% to your manager, 10% to your agent, 2% to your accountant, another 5 or 6% to your friends and family, and then you pay tax. And the tax could be at you know at forty percent, so a million dollars is really maybe could be five hundred thousand dollars, and so we have to realize that's what we're working with. We're not working with the super large sum of money that you're being paid, and then from there you got to pay your your expenses, and you should be saving early and often.
1: You have a percentage offhand that. People should be attempting to save. If somebody
3: was earning at a high level, they should be at least maxing out SEP IRA at a minimum. You know, mm-hmm. they should be looking to, uh, if they have children, they should be looking to maybe employ their children on their website. Some way of shifting some income to their children so that they could start funding Roth IRAs. Okay. Be looking at 529 plans.
2: You know, I think the financial advisor is a
3: better person to answer that question, but those
2: are some basic ideas.
1: Thank you, Mark.
2: You know, when you're talking about a pro athlete or actor, very different than a doctor, an IT manager, a pharmacist, okay? You're talking about someone that is going to have their peak for, you know, Three years, you know, in the NFL, if they're lucky, five years. I mean, very few guys play yeah. five plus years, ten years, fifteen years. So you have to maximize your decisions during that time frame. Now, hopefully, you know, you went to school and you realize that there's more than life than sports, and that every athlete has to retire at some point, and there's a whole nother life after you. I happen to be the son of an army colonel, and I was expected to always do well in school, so I always did, and I played for the legendary Frank Kush at Arizona State, which I mentioned quite a taskmaster so I believe hard work you know pays off but you have to plan for life after sports so to answer your question if I'm only going to maximize what's the goal the first thing is what is your goal everyone whether an athlete or not once they get into the workforce or even before should visualize and write down a goal because if you aim at nothing you'll hit it with amazing accuracy (laughs) if you don't know where you're going any road can lead you there i also studied a little martial arts you know and those guys get to me so i like to put in you know sports analogies but for People that have a short window of time and they're gonna make a huge amount of cash, they need to sit down, and I love stories, very few that I hear of people that, hey, I didn't spend any of my contract money. I lived off my merchandising money and I got a job, you know, whatever, and I'm saving all that money. What a great story that is. But not only saving, but investing, diversifying, you know, planning. For most people, the formula for me is, number one, identify how much you bring home net every month and how much you spend every month and the difference is called your discretionary income of that discretionary income above and beyond your 401k and your other qualified plans you may contribute to at work i suggest people use like 20 25 percent of their discretionary income towards something that's methodical and systematic towards the future But back to, you know, I believe the audience, the high earners that get these big lump sum checks, it's okay to have a few uh, frivolities, you earned it, you work your butt off, but realize it doesn't last forever and you can't maybe eat out every night and spend $5,000 like, you know, the number one pick, don't try and stay up with the Joneses, you know, have yourself a little bit of a cushion but you got a great opportunity to use big chunks of money that you can utilize the power of time and compounding interest. And if you do so, and you're disciplined in that manner, you have a great opportunity to to live a comfortable life and know that your money will outlive you, you won't outlive your money.
0: So many beautiful concepts there. I mean, compound interest. Uh, if anyone hasn't read the compound effect, you know, you look at, you know, the difference even if just as an athlete, right? The guy who's uh, doing 10 extra push-ups a day versus the guy who's having one extra drink a day and you, you track them over time. I mean, these differences are palpable. Glenn, I always like the story about Ricky Henderson. You know, he used to take his per diem money for lunch and put it in a lunch box. He never spent any of it. And so one day, fellow teammate went to visit him he has a closet full of lunch boxes so but clearly we're in a generation now it's like you said about martial arts right they've got to come to the mountain to meet you gentlemen to get this help how do we get some of the you know younger athletes where it's like they don't know like what ratio of discretionary income it feels like it's all supposed to be discretionary how do you reach them and then how do you get them to kind of embrace a change of mentality when in the moment they don't see the long term
2: it's hard okay i would say this there's so many things i can use analogies between sports and between your financial wellness. You worked your butt off. Why did you work your butt off? Did you work your butt off to have a great time for a few years, or do you want to, you know, have a family and have kids and have your kids at a chance at a great life? And we know many people don't come from necessarily the uh, the high part of town sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. not necessarily all Peyton Manning and, you know, from the Manning family. Unfortunately, our college system Whether you play sports or not, they don't teach you about financial wellness. They teach you how to get a job. That's what they teach you how to do. They don't teach you about these are the things I need to start thinking about as the building blocks towards my financial wellness. I like to, you know, maybe break things down to people again in, in something they can understand. For instance, I talked about getting coached up. I would also talk about take personal some personal responsibility for your own fate, just like you did on the field. You decided to get up. You know, I was watching The Last Stand with Michael Jordan when he played baseball. They said he came in before practice and he had batting practice, and he even had batting practice before batting practice. And after <laughs> practice and batting practice was over, he went back and he had more batting practice, that his work ethic was just beyond everyone else's. Your work ethic is everything, and you should apply the same, you don't have to use the same same amount of effort in your own wall building, but, but now that you've got to that level, and you're you making that money. Now is the time. Time is the enemy of us all. And take a real world example. You take responsibility on the field. You know, maybe you got beat every day in practice as a cornerback. You got beat and the dude just had you all day long. And you went home and you, what's that movie where the dog on it, I'm fed up and I'm not going to take it anymore. And you made up your mind that you would run stadium steps and you would do jumping jacks and you would do push-ups when other guys weren't doing them. So you would be just that little bit, have that little bit of an edge. You know, and Richard mentioned it too, and it's kind of uh, Jim Rohn, who's a motivational speaker. I have many coaches, but Jim Rohn says the law of multiple reward. The law of multiple rewards said for every positive discipline you have, you will be rewarded multiple times, not one-to-one. So for every discipline that you increase by 10%, that 10% in each one of those things will have a much larger effect on your well-being. So take responsibility. You know, when you play basketball and your right-handed, your coach is always telling you, work on your left-hand Richard work on your left hand and you hate working on your left hand Magic Johnson worked on his left hand and Larry Bird they worked on their left hand that's why they're so good same thing with your financial wellness take a little bit of responsibility challenge yourself you know Mark mentioned these guys have business managers a pro athlete can walk into anybody's office and say hey you know I'm Todd Gurley with the LA Rams you know Richard you know can you you spend 15 minutes with me and Absolutely. absolutely you will So as a professional athlete, you have access to doors. All you gotta do is ask questions. I played with a gentleman, Mike Haynes. Gentleman Mike Haynes on the NFL 100 at one time regarded the best DB who ever lived. We were both in the business college, which was a little rare at Arizona State at the time mike was great at asking questions so you can ask questions i'll shut up in a second the other thing i think is real important that makes it you know easy so on the field there's offense and defense and no great team ever won a championship without playing defense and i can relate several financial instruments to defensive instruments that are very important in financial well-being it's not just about people coming to me all the time Hey Glenn, what can I invest in that's going to make me, you know, 15, you know, percent all the time or 20% all the time? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things people can recommend, but if you're going to get that kind of return, that means you're going to take a fair amount of risk. The more risk, the more possible return. The less risk, you know, the more predictable, the less return. However, you need some predictability. You need you need those linebackers. You need defensive linemen.
0: <laughs> so it sounds so, like using sports metaphors help you connect to athletes. If you're a young athlete, yeah. that's the way you think. You think in terms of, you know, on the field or on the court. You're trying to speak a language. I know for myself, even coming out with a PhD, I always joke, I had no business business. business acumen. So I'm envious of the uh, orthodontists of Canada who apparently get a six-month business course. I mean, nobody tells you, like you said, we're trained to get a job. We're not trained to like the skills you need for the long run. So a lot of it is, right, it's incredible to ask questions, but they need the ability, the access to coaches such as, you know, you and Mark. Mark, I know you're a coach as well, so you're in front of young people.
3: Talking about baseball? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Been coaching it a long time. At the 10 to 17-year-old level, and I I particularly like, it's called the RBI League, Reviving Baseball in Inner Cities here in Los Angeles, and I like that a lot. They have certain parks in the county of Los Angeles have fields that were upgraded by the Dodgers in Major League Baseball. So uh, I've had some fun times doing that.
0: How young is too young to start talking with, you know, people about money matters?
3: Money? Oh, shut. You talk to them when they're in high school, you know. If you can get them communicating with that, but it's avoiding, it's avoiding the appearance of talking down to them, lecturing. You get an open line of communication. This was with a young man yesterday. I was giving him a ride home. We were driving down the street. We were going through Hawthorne, California, a lot of apartment building. And I said, do you see that apartment building? And he, and he said, yeah. And I go, that's a small business. That's a small business. And so then I kind of broke it down. I said, you know, that apartment building had eight units, each the landlord, the owner of that small business charges for that space. They have to keep the business you know, well-maintained and and they have to provide quiet enjoyment for their customers. Just take, find opportunities that way. And then through baseball, it's very nice to be able to teach people about teamwork, work ethic, responsibility. These are the lessons that you can teach even at seven six, I don't know about five and four. I mean, that's really getting down there, but I guess you can do a little bit of it. You want to teach them the love of the game at that point. They that's just want to
2: smell it. the flowers in the outfield.
3: Yeah, exactly. time. <laughs> that's exactly- but you can give them some life lessons through sports. And I think athletes make great employees because they already understand teamwork, understanding the system of ranks. You, know, you have a coach, that person's the, the team leader.
1: Mark, it's so obvious that you love teaching, coaching these young people. What is it about it for you, that just personally, what is it about it for you that you enjoy so much?
3: It's completely opposite from what I do. You know, I have this job. I'm, this is a very sedentary job. So to get out there, work with young people, do I know everything there is about how to play the game? No. But I can't teach it at a basic level. And I know the people. When I see someone that's talented, you know, I know the people to call, maybe bring in to show that young person, maybe for it at a higher level. When you're looking in the inner city, that's an important thing, especially with baseball. It's not a real popular game. Basketball, football, track, soccer. These are real popular games. There's a lot of money to be made in baseball. And let's not even talk about the ones that make it in the major leagues. But how about a young man that gets a partial scholarship or or woman, but a young man in baseball that gets a partial scholarship or a full scholarship to like, say, UC Irvine? I mean, now they just got a D1 education and they get it almost for free. That's very valuable.
1: I remember several years ago when there was a, we were at an office building and it was a little paper bag and you started writing, like, I think it was go to college or go into AAA. And I was so, I was inspired and I was like, very impressed with the fact that you could throw these numbers so quickly together and if i recall is that you know going to stanford was a better idea yeah i forgot Uh, about how i
3: broke that down it It was
1: was amazing it might have had to
3: do with now things have changed a little bit in major league baseball because i think the rounds the draft rounds have become shorter i think i don't know if it's through round eight or round five but they they used to draft many, many rounds. And in the higher rounds, there's actually a schedule of what someone who's drafted in a certain spot gets paid, guaranteed money or whatever you want to call it. And that's what I was talking about, Lorenda. is like, let's say that someone offered you, you know, you had a full scholarship to go to Stanford, then you start looking at what's the value of that education, you know, $80,000 a year times four is $320,000. what if your bonus to go play baseball was only 110, right? Maybe it's not worth it. I don't know. Those are the decisions that financial planner and the family have to make.
1: What I like, though, about both of you is that, you know, there's no lights and mirrors. It's very, so here's the fact. And I also love what you said, Glenn, about, you know, the guys, once they are given the facts, they usually make great decisions. But I also know that sometimes players have made bad decisions. And sometimes the marquee players, uh, I'm thinking of Vernon Davis right now, he lost. In a big real estate deal but he brought on a lot of guys that didn't have that kind of dough you know he had a lot of dough he missed this i'm not a personal friend of his. he missed this and which leads to a question how do you vet how do you vet professionals especially who are sure in your line of work glenn but also you too mark i am sure i know you've had clients that are professionals i'd love to hear if there was any kind of crazy stories No names are required. Just to let us know who you kind of had to deal with.
2: I believe that your business life and your personal life, it's just like all one big long day. You can't be of high character in business and poor character at home or vice versa, I believe. I told you I'm a son of an army colonel and I played for Frank Cush and I'm 65 years old. I played Friday Night Lights in Texas. So I am what I say I am and I do what I say I'll do. And I believe we should all hold each other to a high standard. Not that I'm looking to bust you all the time like your kids do with dad, you know, but if we make an agreement that we're going to do something, you can depend on me. And I believe you should depend on those that you depend on to do what they say they do, period, consistently all the time. So my dad said, Glenn, don't try and ever. Don't be perfect, but perform at a high level of consistency all the time over time i believe that you should surround yourself and that's ongoing so whoever you choose as a professional that you work with they need to maintain a high level of standard of performance for you and you can't monitor that if you are oblivious all the time if you just sign a piece of paper and say Hey, handle everything for me. You have to take be willing to take an active part in your own destiny. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the master of my soul. I control my own destiny. By the way, I'm going to do a quick plug for Richard and you, Lorinda in that I wanted to, you know, be sure that I got this in. So my life was changed by a sports psychologist. The person who allowed me to realize my zenith as an athlete was a sports psychologist, not any one of my coaches, although he was just as much a coach as any one of my coaches, right? When you get to D1 ball, and, you know, at the time in 1973 to 77, ASU was the top (laughs) offensive school in the land. By far, you know, most points, most yards, everybody runs a 4-4, everybody's as big as you, everybody's as fast as you, and you got a coach literally beating you up every day. And my coach had me so unsettled, shall we say, that I was a wide receiver that didn't even want him to throw me the ball, because I didn't know if I'd catch it or not and get beat up. Now, I truly believe in my heart I'm the best wide receiver you've never seen, and no one can dispute that, okay? I do have one playing D1 ball up a cow and one played D1 basketball, so I say well, that didn't happen by accident. But the sports psychologist talked to us and taught us the power of visualization and actualization, that if you visualize something in enough vivid detail, you could smell it, you could feel it. You could taste it. You could see it. You lived it. That when it came time for your body to do it, your body would do it because it already seemed to take.
0: If you'd like to listen more, please click on the link for Making the Jump located in the show notes so you can get access to all of the shows and their complete recordings. This is Richard Listens, and I'm out.